Guys, it's November 3rd, 2017. I just want to give a quick update as far as the NBA scene, Sports Day in the D, and uh, working with bbowlatics.com. I want to talk about the first article in an NBA opener so far this season that I dubbed the NBA capsule opener, surprising starts and fading fast. And there's a few teams, and again, I know it's early, and we're not really accustomed to playing NBA games in October, but there's a few teams that caught my mind as I was writing this on uh, NBA on TNT on a Thursday night that uh, seemed to hit a fast start or incredibly just hit the wall right away. So I got a few teams out there. As always, Facebook.com slash TributeGunsinger, Twitter at John Ryan Ott. Let me know what you think because I want to go through a few of these teams with you and then also hit some notes and stuff that surprised me throughout the NBA season as we go along. So right now, we had the Orlando Magic sitting at 6-2, and two, and I think that that's just a wonderful story for Coach Frank Vogel and the rest of the squad. Because when I think about Vogel, especially within the last few years, you think about him in the Indiana Pacers organization, that he got kind of a raw deal as everything else that went around. Because without the Paul George injury that happened in Vegas as he was prepping for the Olympics, it really, to me, in that aspect of with having that team there, could have had something to say against the Cleveland Cavaliers a few years ago. But that wasn't meant to be. But right now, I thought of him as a really good coach. He had to kind of start over a little bit in Orlando as all those guys are trying to rebuild in that organization. But you need to give a shout-out to a few players out there especially because when you think about Evan Fournier, remember when he was on the Denver Nuggets? Guys thought maybe he could put the ball in the basket a little bit, but you weren't really sure what else you were going to get from the uh, shooting guard small forward. But he's been absolutely incredible so far this season, averaging over 22 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. Ridiculous. And 24-25 from the line to start the season at 96%. We all know about the growth that's going to have to continue from Aaron Gordon for the small forward, power forward, center slasher for the Orlando Magic. And that's going to have to continue to grow. And also, a good pickup from the Orlando Magic to get former San Antonio Spurs standout, if you want to call him that, and Jonathan Simmons, an athletic freak at the forward spot that can get things done. It seems like the Orlando Magic are off to a good start right now. And again, I question because when you're doing comments and uh, columns like this early in the season, again, we're not really acquiesced to be playing NBA basketball in October. But a 6-2 and two start is a 6-2 and two start. And so far, wins over the Cleveland Cavaliers and the San Antonio Spurs, albeit they're banged up at the moment. Strong for the Magic, because to me, they've been looking for respectability since the days of Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway from 95 and as late as 2009 when Stan Van Gundy was still the coach of the Orlando Magic with one of the defensive beasts and player of the year at the time, Dwight Howard, in multiple times. But the Magic really haven't had a lot of success to share with Mickey and the rest of the Disney crew, but here's hoping that the Orlando Magic can continue to improve on their newfound success so far this season. So again, as I mentioned, article was being published yesterday, so the Detroit Pistons record has now moved to 6-3, and and 
maybe trying to stay away from a little bit of the hometown bias for myself, but I thought I had to include this team on the early season surprises for the East because they just taken out the Milwaukee Bucks, and within the last couple games before that in that West Coast road stand, you had the Los Angeles Clippers and Golden State Warriors on the docket, and the Pistons were able to sneak out with wins on both of those. So it's absolutely nice to see that the Pistons are off to a 6-3 and three start. But the main thing to be concerned about again, is what everyone around here seems to keep talking about, 24-year-old Andre Drummond. And for sometimes, it's not for all the right reasons, because everybody knows about his ability to rebound the basketball. It's unquestioned. He's athletic, and he's dominant around the rim. But when it comes to doing anything else but put-back finishes, a la DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond has a little bit of work to do. And the main aspect of it is that 36% career free throw shooting number has to improve. So I, my jaw almost fell to the floor when I saw tonight that Andre Drummond was 14 of 16 from the free throw line, and he's shooting over 70%. You have to give the man credit. A career 36% free throw shooter, up to 70 so far in the season, with nine games in already for the Pistons, looks pretty good on that aspect of it. Like we'd mentioned, we all talk about some of those woes, but I also thought with Andre Drummond getting that max extension of $127 million that the Pistons didn't want to also have him be a guy that was freakishly athletic but underwhelming on the defensive front. And look, I made a comparison in the article, and I'll publish all this stuff as we get this up on YouTube as well. I know Andre Drummond's not going to be Ben Wallace, but I had to mention Ben Wallace in the article for the Pistons on the defensive front because that's where Ben had made his name out of being an undrafted player that turned to be pretty much a godsend for any defensive player undrafted in the history of the league. I know he wasn't very capable offensively, and neither is Drummond right now. But it remains to be seen whether or not Andre is going to continue to make those same improvements on the defensive end from year to year. Because right now, again, I know it's early, but Andre Drummond shooting over 70% from the free throw line is one hell of a revelation considering where his career numbers are at. I'm not sitting here saying that that's going to continue, but you have to give the man credit for that. And then for the Pistons so far, being able to move Marcus Morris for Avery Bradley to get another starter in the backcourt was absolutely paramount because not only does he bring points, but he also brings incredible defense. And for Stan Van Gundy to get Tobias Harris to bring him in here within the last couple of seasons looked pretty good so far. My only issue with the Pistons, from what I can tell, is that they're going to be up against the salary cap for the next few years because when you got Boban Marjanovic, John Luer, Tobias Harris, Reggie Jackson, and Andre Drummond all within that contract. It doesn't matter how much the cap's going to go up in the NBA. The Pistons are still going to have some things to worry about as far as keeping these guys together or what they want to do. And speaking of that, before we get out of the here with the Pistons, it is, are they interested in the services of Eric Bledsoe? Now, I heard Stan Van Gundy tonight in the postgame against the Bucks that he absolutely took all those rumors and set them aside, saying that they weren't going to move Reggie Jackson. Now, last year you probably could have made that case because Reggie you know, wasn't necessarily healthy. And hell, even times before that, when he had Brandon Jennings on the squad, 
he was able to get the points in when Reggie either wasn't on the team yet or he was still making the transition over to the Thunder or he wasn't really playing well when he first came here. So it remains to be seen whether or not the Pistons will try to deal Reggie Jackson services of the Suns for Eric Bledsoe, but as Phoenix Suns general manager Ryan McDonough had already talked about, he's only going to make the move when the best offer presents itself. So in that situation for the Pistons, the only way I see them making a move to get somebody like Eric Bledsoe is if that third party is involved to pick up some of Reggie's salary. Because in 5 and 90, it looked pretty good, but it only uh, will continue to look good for the Pistons if Reggie Jackson continues to stay healthy and put the biscuit in the basket. So let's transition into the West here for the Los Angeles Clippers. Because at a 5 and 2 start, there was a lot to be said about Chris Paul bringing over Lob City with DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. And those were some good times for the Los Angeles Clippers, make no mistake about it. Because quite honestly, you had a team that could win over 50 games every single re- game, every single time in the regular season, you know, despite that 11-12 season when it was lockout shortened, the Clippers were winning over 50 games. And I know that didn't transition to the same success for Doc Rivers in Boston with the big three in terms of the Clippers in Hollywood. But still, think about the Clippers and the history of their organization. And I'm not just talking about all the stuff that was going on with Donald Sterling at the time. This is an organization that is starving for success. And sharing the Staples Center with the Lakers is all that it really is because the Clippers have not been relevant in recent history. Bringing over Chris Paul and having those guys in there makes them for an exciting regular season team and is starting to put butts in the seats. But now, with the trade of Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets in exchange for a multitude of players, including Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, uh, Darren Hilliard was moved from the Pistons in order to make room, but he's not on the squad anymore. Uh, some picks, cash considerations... It was interesting to see how the Clippers would acquiesce and start the season. And to be quite honest, it could be what a lot of you guys have already considered, that the Clippers won't really fall too much from the regular season as far as what they already were, and maybe as a playoff team as far as what they already were, which many consider to be a second-round playoff exit, even without Chris Paul. Because now you're bringing in when Chris Paul is not really dominating the ball, you're bringing in a junkyard dog in Patrick Beverly, and I mean that with all the utmost sincerity because the guy picks everybody up from full court. He doesn't hes- hesitate to play hellacious defense, and the guy is going to go ahead and put points on the board whenever he's got to. He-, he just does everything. He has infectious energy that's going to stem for everything that the Clippers would need. So if there's a little lulls in the sense of, bringing somebody over that's a professional scorer like Delanilo Gallinari from the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, he's not the greatest defensive player in the world, but you can you can bet your ass that Patrick Beverly's not going to go ahead and uh, let him slack on that aspect of it. He's going to have some work to do there, but the Clippers should be able to maintain that defensive intensity. And look, I know that Milos Tezadosic that overseas prospect that the Clippers wanted, he got hurt early throughout the season. And yeah, that does suck for them because he seemed to be a guy that can put the ball in the basket. He could score comfortably. But with Blake Griffin 
being able to step out now, and now it's not just a formality that the guy's going to hit a three. He's a legitimate threat from three-point range, and yeah, you can say maybe he's doing that to try to protect himself, you know, from injuries to try to stop all those hellacious dunks inside the paint, but that's probably a good thing, because when you think about it, the dude's got playmaking ability, and I kind of think of from what Blake Griffin is, he is what Charles Barkley used to be on the Philadelphia 76ers, meaning he could take the ball coast to coast. He wouldn't even hesitate to throw in a spin move or two, get to the basket, and make his defenders look silly. And when you pair Patrick Beverly, look, I know he's not Rajon Rondo when he was on the Boston Celtics, but that's the kind of defensive player that Doc Rivers really wants for the Clippers, make no mistake about it. And when you're letting your best guys be the ones that dominate the ball, and score, in terms of Blake Griffin, he's able to also set up and make plays for his other teammates while scoring at will for himself. And let's not forget DeAndre Jordan, because he's been as consistent as they come. He stayed healthy. He's averaging over 15 rebounds a game and provides the strong help defense that he always does. So the question remains to be seen whether or not the Los Angeles Clippers will continue to me not the regular season success of winning 50 games, because I think that they're going to be a playoff team and they're going to win some games once again, but is getting past the Western Conference semifinals too much to ask? Because even throughout Chris Paul's career, he hasn't been able to do it. And now even though Lob City is no more, I don't think the Clippers will fall too far from their regular season success. And a couple other things here as we transition to teams that have been off to tough starts. John out here with you, facebook.com slash Gunslinger, Twitter at John Reinach, and on bballaddicts.com. Talking about the article that was just posted, surprising starts in the NBA, NBA season opener capsule. I want to get into the second part of the aspect now, and let me know if you guys agree. As always, leave uh, comments and questions. I'm going to leave a bury them now segment, uh, section and I know that it's really early throughout the season. And I know that this first team that we're going to talk about is in the Eastern Conference. But guys, I'm telling you right now, don't hold out any hope for the Atlanta Hawks. They're 1-7. I know they started with a five-game road stand. But that five-game road stand already included losses to the Brooklyn Nets, Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, and the 76ers. And maybe you can make a case... For the 76ers, whether or not you think all oh, that losing is finally going to acquiesce into a playoff spot. I'm not going to hold out hope for that, but let's just say that all these teams probably won't fare that well this year. I don't think that's too hard to say. Even Charles Barkley went, of the Inside the NBA crew went on to say that he joked and talked to the fans that wish that they could play all 82 games on the road and that even Dominique's, Dominique Wilkins' statue is crying. <laughs> and... Let's just go ahead and say the obvious here. When you had Kent Bazemore, Marco Bellinelli, Dwayne Dedman, Mike Muscala, and I'm going to put this as your scoring options that have prior NBA experience, when those are the guys you have to pair with Dennis Schroeder, I think it's going to be a long season. And look, I know Schroeder signed that contract with the Atlanta Hawks. He looks pretty good. He's averaging just under 23 points a game, three rebounds, and seven assists right now. And that's the best bargaining chip that the Atlanta Hawks have. And I could even willing to grant you a pass on Torian Prince, the rookie right now. He looks pretty good right now for the Atlanta Hawks. 14 points, 6 rebounds, 
two assists right now per game on the season. He looks like a solid player. But it was clear that that uh, playoff success that never came when they had guys like Paul Millsap, Al Horford, and Kyle Korver, uh, they had to blow something up. But I really don't think that the Atlanta Hawks had this kind of long road ahead in mind. And Mike Budenholzer and the organization is going to have a very difficult task in front of them. And I think early throughout the season, even now in the Eastern Conference, like we mentioned, where there's teams that can be moving up and down, you might be seeing some other squads that you wouldn't normally see in the last few years just because of the abundance of moves that happened in the offseason. But I'm calling it right now, bury the Atlanta Hawks. And I almost feel bad, and this is almost comical, on on this side for the West, but you could throw this team in there every year. I get it. I know this isn't the most enlightened uh, team to throw in this list, but I don't think that it should change. You could throw these guys in here every year, and until they end up figuring out, until that light bulb ends up going down in one of these teams in California, I'm sure you can guess by now that they're going to continue to struggle for a long time. And I'm talking about the 1-7 in seven Sacramento Kings. My goodness, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's no doubt about this one. Team hasn't found success since the days of Oscar Robertson and Chris Webber. Also, I include in this article a little thing that I did before a few years ago on the Oscar Robertson interview with Chris Webber. If you want to check that out, the link will also be in the description of the article. But the Kings are clueless. As you know from last year, they traded a top five player at the position. And you can argue whether or not he's higher or lower on that list. And But DeMarcus Cousins is incredible. And not only did he just have one of those 40-20 uh, games when he just came back to the to the Kings to play there from the Pelicans, where he absolutely dominated them. The only player that's left for the Kings from that trade that just happened was Buddy Heald because Vladi Divac and owner uh, Vivek Randevi seems to think that he is going to be the, the superstar in the NBA. To me, that's just grand larceny. And I feel bad for all of you fans that are still left, whether or not they're still playing at the Sleep Train Arena or whatever they change it to now, because that's all you want to do when they come on uh, television over there. But I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for minority owner Shaquille O'Neal, and as well as Vince Carter and Zach Randolph. And I have a question for those guys. V- VC and Zach, Zebo, why did you guys have to go there? <laughs> Seriously, you could have went anywhere else, man. Come on now. But in other news, a Bloomberg report just came out from uh, Scott Sosnick within the last couple of days. You have a chance to be a minority owner of this franchise with Shaquille O'Neal. Stocks are there. Link is in the description of the article whether or not you want to take that chance if you want to become a minority owner for the Sacramento Kings. Good luck to you on that one. So here's the other thing here. I'm going to finish off the article here. And this first part of the uh, NBA basketball prod podcast, going to have some more of this stuff as we go throughout the weekend. But I just want to get this up and see how everything rolls. Is uh, level of concern? And look again, I know it's early in the season. We got eight or nine games in for the season right now, but a lot of people have already talked about your two standout NBA Finals teams from about three years in a row, and possibly, quite possibly, a fourth. Wouldn't surprise anybody if that goes out to actually happen. 
but let's talk about it in the East. Cleveland Cavaliers, they just won a night, so now they're 4-5. and five. Yes, I know it's early, but LeBron James is going to have to have a lot on his plate. He did do that tonight by dropping a cool 52 points, but I'm not going to go out and limb and say that this team has less talent than the 2006-7 team that he took to the NBA Finals. I heard that, let's be clear guys, I heard that uh, a few days ago on First Things First with Nick Wright and Chris Carter, and I absolutely couldn't believe that. I also left that in the description of the article if you want to go ahead and check that out. But did these guys forget about David Wesley, Ira Newble, Danielle Marshall, Daniel Gibson, and Scott Pollard? <laughs> Come on now. You can't tell me that the Cleveland Cavaliers have less talent. Look, I know they're hurt. I know it's Isaiah Thomas. I know it's Dwayne Wade. I know Tristan Thompson could be out for up to a month with that calf injury. But they still got J.R. Smith. They still got Corver, Jeff Green, Jose Calderon. Derek Rose is out. Amon Shumper's out. But with those other guys that they still have, you still got Kevin Love, you still got Jay Crowder, and you still have King James. How can they not be a playoff team? And how can they not be one of these teams that are still going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Come on now. I mean, I, I absolutely cannot disagree with you more in terms of this first things first clip and saying that this team has less talent than the 06-07 squad that he took to the finals when they lost to the San Antonio Spurs. All the dude had at that point was Big Z, guys. Come on now. Absolutely ridiculous. The Cavaliers are going to be fine. I know it's early, but LeBron will indeed. I cannot argue that he's going to have a lot on his plate, but he's a big boy. He can handle it. He's been a multi-champion and he just knows how to get the job done in every single situation. He's dealt with everything that he can possibly do. Now, this is almost laughable, but I have to put this on the list because every single one of you, even the media concerned themselves, keeps him to talk about this with the Golden State Warriors. They're 6-3, and three, guys. It's the Golden State Warriors. That's not a bad start for an NBA team. Maybe he would say that's a bad start as far as the Golden State Warriors are concerned. Hell, they've brought everybody back, and they've also added Omri Caspi and Nick Young to shoot some shots, which I don't know how they were also able to bring everybody back and add more pieces. But no, there's no concern here for the Golden State Warriors being 6-3. and three. And this is something that we can also talk about with the Cleveland Cavaliers as far as what you would want to be lumped in. And no, I'm not talking about injuries for the Golden State Warriors, but I'm talking about severe boredom. Yes, these teams have met in the NBA Finals for three years in a row. That's unquestioned, and yes, it could possibly be a fourth. But the level of apathy for the NBA regular season could also have been shared amongst the fans between having these teams battle against each other, if not for the bevy of moves. And let's not forget, even that stuff, kind of stuff happened with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen on the Bulls or with the Lakers and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal during the three-peat 
for Kobe and Shaq and during the multiple three-peats for Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. The battle for the Golden State Warriors, and even throw this in there for the Cleveland Cavaliers, will be the battle amongst themselves. Being able to find motivation, being able to get up for certain games and certain nights. Hell, even Kenny the Jet Smith talked about it last night on Inside the NBA, that these teams are going to not be too... You know, excited to play for the games on primetime on TNT because they've been there and done that before. They're going to have to find some other ways to keep themselves motivated and continue to play throughout the season at a high level. But this team is so good they can inevitably find it anywhere. And yes, Steve Kerr wants them to say, I'm ready, are you guys ready? But he's going to have to use that in sense of a necessary motivational tactic in order to keep his team ahead. And you can even throw that in the conversation with Tyrone Lue and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So what do you think about the NBA early season surprises, teams that you should bury now, and teams between the two playoff matchups that have met for three years in a row? Where is your level of concern for the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Golden State Warriors? Or do you not have any in particular? And we do remember that we just switched over to November here. So... Facebook.com slash or Twitter at John Ryan. As always, let me know what you think. Going to upload this on uh, ShoutEngine.com slash the D. As always, I got the article also uploaded on BballAddicts.com and my WordPress blog. So I'm going to get that up there and then get this YouTube recap in here with the article and some thoughts and reaching out to you. And I'll also throw that on the Bball Addicts website as well as my blog. Appreciate it, guys. Hopefully talk to you soon. I want to get in some more content as far as the World Series, the uh, reaction of that. So we're going to do that so far as the weekend progresses. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.